message is especially for anyone that is in the midst of a waiting season. Anyone that is in a journey from point A to point B, but you're somewhere in the middle, and it's been taking some time. One of the most vulnerable legs of life's journey is the moment we receive a promise to when that promise is fulfilled. If you were to look at some of the biblical characters, one of the times that they are most emotionally, sometimes physically, sometimes mentally vulnerable, it's in the distance between point A and point B. Season of waiting. Sometimes it's a season of development. Sometimes it's a season of growth. Other times we have no idea what it is. It's just taking some time. It's that point A to point B. And I wanted to give us some particular encouragement out of the Gospel of John. In particular, chapter 11. For you, it may say at the very beginning of the chapter, it may say what my Bible says, the death of Lazarus. It is a story of four main characters. The disciples are in the mix, but four main characters. We've got Jesus. We've got Mary and Martha and Lazarus, three siblings. And their brother, at the beginning of chapter 11, is sick. And then hours or moments later, Jesus is aware that he has passed. And there's some truths that I pray will set off in your hearts as a word of encouragement for the season that you're in, as a word of hope for the season that you're in, as maybe a whisper of peace to calm the storms that are on the inside. Waiting comes to all of us. And waiting isn't always easy. We're in a culture that is fast-paced. I was thinking about the difference between the days we live in now and just 25 years ago, of how news really would cycle over in an evening, and now we have the chance to have information in a fingertip that can literally translate around the world through a tweet, <laughs> through a news story, through an email, through a text message. It's very, very fast-paced, the culture we live in. And we're absorbing a lot. And in the midst of, of, of waiting, it could be so hard sometimes because we are accustomed to getting things quickly. If you send an email, come on, somebody, you want a response. If you send a text, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of you, you can't put your phone down until you see the bubbles popping back up, knowing there's a reply. Then you get anxious when the bubbles stop and there's no text. What and who does that? But people do that. We're used to a very, very, very quick, very fast-paced culture. We live in the age of fast food, do we not? I mean, some, some of you don't. I, I do. And you find yourself inconvenienced. You swore you were in line for an hour when, relatively speaking, it was only five minutes. There was a problem there because you had to wait. But some of the waiting period is significant. Sometimes we're waiting on a spouse to change. Sometimes we're waiting on a child. 
We've been praying, we've been pleading, asking God for a child, and we find ourselves with unanswered prayer. We're waiting on a promise that was spoken. Sometimes we're waiting on a good friend to find Jesus. We maybe lived through some high school or college years, and we're best friends, and then you radically got saved. You radically got changed and tasted how good God is, and your life has been transformed. And when you went to tell your best friend, they did not respond well. They wanted nothing to do with you. And so behind the scenes, you're praying, and you're thinking, God, when is this going to happen? When is this going to take place? It's a, it's a waiting. Other times, it's just simply waiting on a job. You ever been in that season where you know maybe God has prompted something in your spirit? You know it's a, t- a time and a season of change, and yet it's gone from one month to two months to three months, and now maybe even a couple years. And, and, and at one point, it was easy holding the dream, but man, that dream has become so heavy, it just seems easier to throw it all away. And yet you can't because you know God's promise is on the inside. Other times, it's simply waiting for a promotion, waiting for a pay raise. You're praying, you're pleading, and you're in a season of waiting. Maybe you're like my friend, a mentor in the faith, mentor in ministry, Steve, Steve Sizemore, Kansas City. And we talk once a month, and maybe you're like him in 2020 while the world was in a global pandemic as if that's not hard enough, he started having tremendous bouts and spells of vertigo. And he just thought it would be a simple fix, maybe a simple pill or two, something to ease what his body was experiencing. And three years on, it hasn't even been diagnosed completely. He's gone to a handful of doctors. He's gone to get taken care of. And some days are better than others, but you're holding on praying for a healing, waiting for the healing, staying in faith. But man, you're growing a little weary. Those are the vulnerable seasons that sometimes before you become a Christian, a pastor never tells you about or the person leading you to faith never tells you about. But if you are becoming more and more familiar with Scripture, you will see that almost every key individual in the storyline of God throughout Scripture had a season of waiting. And the big reminder I want to tell you is that no matter what your circumstances are saying, no matter what your closest friends or family is saying, hear me loud and clear, God is with you. He's with you. And let me also say, God has never left you. He's never forsaken you. In John chapter 11, we see very close friends of Jesus, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Though they weren't uh, under the banner of disciples or best friends of Jesus, you can be rest assured that they were very close friends of Jesus. He would spend significant days, significant amounts of time. In fact, Bethany, which is just beyond the Kidron Valley, is one of the last places Jesus stops before the week of Passion, the Passion Week, Holy Week. And where, where and why is he stopping? Well, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus has actually just been in Bethany in John chapter 10. But if you follow Jesus' ministry, not everybody gives him two thumbs up. His Google reviews have been waning. In fact, he got a few one-star reviews, and now he's getting negative reviews, and then it led to some death threats. 
And uh, death threats back then weren't assassins per se. They were moments where the population picked up rocks and were ready to stone you. So that's Jesus' last encounter in Bethany. Then he moves as wisely as he can onto the next step. And he's in a different town, different sphere of ministry. Word comes. Word comes to him from Mary and Martha. I imagine they're sending a messenger. In those days, they could not, they could not get on Gmail. They could not text. They could not get on Messenger. Nobody could put a tweet out. They had to send a messenger. So messengers arrive. John 11. In verse 3, it says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Here's my simple, reassuring thought for you in this moment. He heard the news. Sometimes in a waiting season, we're wondering if God is even listening, if he's even aware. I just want to reassure your hearts, he's aware. He heard the news. Mary and Martha sent the letter, and they trusted that the communication would work. The same is true when it comes to prayer. And in a waiting season, I want to encourage your hearts today. You can trust the lines of communication. The enemy, more than likely, has come alongside you and tried to discourage you that you're unworthy, that your sin is too great, it's too big, and it's blurred the lines of communication. The enemy has come alongside and said, man, God's, God's trying to punish you for something you did back then. Enemy loves to use even strange pockets of scripture against our soul. I just want to cut those voices out, and I want to reassure you that God is with you, and he's heard the news. Like your prayer request, it's reached his heart. Like he is in the know, and not only is he in the know, second, he's entered the story. Like, he hasn't kept the distance. He isn't keeping some space between you and him because he's still trying to figure out who you are. No, you have the full force of God's love, the full force of his mercies, the full force of the Holy Spirit working behind the scenes. God has entered the story. Here's what we see in verse 3, okay? John 11, verse 3, it says, Therefore the sister sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And the next verse, verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We can receive that and reassure our hearts, but I'm going to tell you who didn't get that message the moment it left Jesus' mouth. Mary and Martha. Because they were next to him. They didn't know. They didn't experience. But I can guarantee you their hearts were at peace because they knew the one who could make a difference. He's entered the story. When Jesus heard that, here's what he said. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through him. There's a story being written in your waiting and you won't know the details for a little while longer. But you can rest assured Jesus is involved. 
The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are with you. Philippians chapter 2, there's a beautiful, um, borderline poetic piece of literature in Philippians chapter 2 that Paul is writing from prison. (laughs) He talked about a waiting season. Welcome the character Paul, all right? But Paul is writing Philippians, and in, in one astonishing inspiration from the Holy Spirit, he says that Christ has come in the likeness of men. It, it, we become so familiar with that theological territory that, uh, you know, it's a bit redundant for us. But at that day and time, when the people that were in prison with Paul, surrounding Paul in the city of Philippi would have heard that news, they would have said, that's ridiculous. What God would become man? It's not how the gods operate. They served the gods that were capricious, the Greek gods, that you had to attempt to appease, let alone be in relationship with them. Shoot, you were just trying to appease their wrath and their anger. And Paul's proposing that we have a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who entered our humanity. He's entered your story. You may not see him. You may not feel him. The circumstances may be so loud and overwhelming that you're beginning to wonder. Let me reassure your hearts as I see Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 11. Here's what I say. Jesus enters the story. He doesn't pivot and move in the opposite direction. No, he's got, a, he's got a timely word. He's speaking, and we get to read his exact word over the situation. Nah, it's all good. I'm going to heal him, bring him back from the dead. You got nothing to worry about. Whew, okay, great, thanks. For us, the question is a little different. Have we made time to slow down and get before God? Or are we living in the fast pace of our culture, stimulated by a secondhand Jesus who has all the right doctrine, all the right beliefs, but we have very little encounter with him? Or are we going to the lengths to position ourselves to receive his rhema word over the midst of our situation? And if we've heard his rhema word, take it for granted. Let it Be in your heart as peace in the midst of this season. There was a gap between the words of Jesus and the miracle. And hearts need reassurance in between point A and point B. I remember being at uh, Colkin Coffee House right here in in New Albany, um, meeting with a local pastor. And um, this pastor had just just gone through a, 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 a bit of a rough patch and um, one of his, his sons was experiencing great betrayal in life. Uh, marriage, great betrayal, difficulty. And it led to, unfortunately, uh, the spouse wanted, wanted nothing to do with the marriage and, and turned around and left. And We were meeting for coffee, and there was small talk for a while. But I could tell it was weighing heavy on his mind, heavy on his heart. And he, he just shared a little bit of just how difficult that's been, how difficult it, it, it would be for one to experience, but then even as a, as a parent for, for a child, journeying through that. And this, this waiting season, this delay, and then at the end he said, but I received a word from the Lord. 
the Lord reassured my heart. He said, he will love again. He will love again in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of a, a, a valley season. And uh, it's, it's wild to see um, several, several seasons ago that young son, this happened years back, this young son did love again. Found marriage again, and hope again, and peace again, and life again. It's remarkable that in the waiting seasons of life, we can feel so abandoned and forsaken. But know that that is always and ever a lie from the enemy of our soul. That it is just like him to see you in a vulnerable, difficult position. And the father of lies comes with his fiery darts to discourage you, to get you cut off from the lifeblood that we have in Christ Jesus. Psalm 34, verse 18 Another staggering truth for our heart. It's this reality that God is near the brokenhearted. God is near the brokenhearted. When I think of people walking through a valley season, uh, I'm a bit of a fixer. I like to just fix people. (laughs) I'm I'm not good at it at all. I I, I recognize now that's the Holy Spirit's job and not mine. it's cool, though. I'm 41. It only took me 40 years to figure that out. So glory, glory be to God. <laughs> but I have a tendency to see how things should be working and what, what needs to happen. And hey, let's investigate. Let's examine why this waiting season is and all these different things. The reality is, why is never a good question in a waiting season? Who is with you is a better question. Why can lead to self-pity, anxiety, fear? Who is with you is always a better question. And sometimes our imagination has been so broken down that we speculate in nothing but fear, anxiety, But if we can slow down and prayerfully consider God being with us, he can begin to open our imagination to a faithful, heavenly father who loves you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, that is wholly with somebody in Kansas City right now who doesn't understand why this particular illness is breaking their body down. And yet, he will still go on ministry trips when he's up for it. A couple weeks ago, he was preaching to YWAM students in Orlando, Florida. And he said to himself, man, I'm not going to let the devil get the glory in this. But he's in a waiting season. But he's positioned his heart to see that even in the midst of some suffering, he knows God is faithful and true. God is never going to leave him nor forsake him. In early days, W-H-Y question mark was the question. But now, there are no questions. He knows who is with him. And God has been faithful in his life time and time again. But I want to lift the plane 
and then hopefully not give us a crash landing in a few minutes. So we've been going, we've been kind of cruising at 10,000 altitude. I want to bring us up 20,000 feet. This third thought is simple. He's on the way. He's on the way. Would you receive that into your spirits right now, just in this moment? He's on the way. He's on the way. Verse 15 is at the end of a conversation the disciples have been having with Jesus and saying, listen, Jesus, we know you got a lot on your mind. We know you got a lot on your heart. You know, some of us, we've been looking at your journals. We've been looking at your schedule. We get it. Why on earth would we go back? Why on earth would we go visit? I don't care if you loved them or if they're family. They just tried to stone you in Bethany. Why would we go back there? A very valid question. And Jesus gives them an answer. And then the scriptures clearly say, verse 15, let us go to him. Let us go to him. If you're wondering, what are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit up to? They're on the way. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. It's been a waiting season, it's been a dry season. Hear this, they're coming. And here's one thing I know about God in the midst of a waiting season. He will give you all you need for today. Don't get consumed with tomorrow's bread. Be content with today's bread. He's showing up and he's showing out. But here's what you need to know. He's on the way. He's faithful. He's faithful. His word is true. And they arrive and it's a, it's a, it's a grieving season. It's, it's, you know, the shortest verse. Two words. Jesus wept. This is that moment. You're wondering, oh, I've heard that verse before. I memorized it for summer camp. Okay, good. Jesus wept, but what he's doing is showing who he is. One of his beloved is dead, but he knows the end of the story. And that is this fourth point, that there is a miracle in the making, that there is a miracle in the making. While we're bogged down with details, recognize that that is only a form of control. The more information you have, the more control you feel. And I don't blame you because I love information, man. It gives me control. But God, he works in the economy of trust and love. And that's the same invitation he gives us. Will you trust? Will you trust? Will you trust? Will you trust? I need more information. Will you trust? Just got some information. Will you trust? Will you trust? Well, the doctors are telling me, will you trust? Well, my spouse is telling me, will you trust? Well, my child is telling me, will you trust? Well, the police told me about my child who's at college. Will you trust? Will you trust that right now I'm moving? Would you trust that right now there's actually a miracle in the making? What got Israel in so much trouble is the same thing that gets us in so much trouble. Information. If you follow the moments before their exile, 
They're leaving the promised land. Going into Babylon and other places before they were scattered. God gave them over to what they wanted. God gave them over to where the information was leading them. They had control, but they were no longer in the will of God. Be careful how many and how much details you need. I've heard a wonderful pastor say that here's God's promises, here are us. If we're not careful, we fill this place with details. How about this? Hands off, hands up, fully surrendered in faith. God is with you. He's not forsaking you. Every promise he's declared and spoken over your life, Philippians chapter 1 tells us he will be faithful to complete it. To the parents worried about your children, pray for them behind the scenes. Declare the promises of God over them. And trust the Holy Spirit's work in their life. You don't have to be passive aggressive. You don't have to try to set up some divine appointments. Those aren't divine. Those are you trying to control. Relinquish the control. Let God do what God can only do. I've known some people. I'll tell you a quick story. It's got to be short. Quick story. This was when I was in high school. And my parents were pastoring. My, my dad was pastoring. And there, was a, there, was a, there was a lady in the church. I was friends with her son. We were, we were good buddies in, in, in church and life and school and all. His older sister was, uh, I'll put it mildly, a prodigal daughter. Um, moved out, living with people, um, not living right, living um, just really, yes, sin, but really just in brokenness, just far from God. And this particular mom had been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And, praying. and one, um, one Sunday, much like we have here, our prayer team, this mom just came down and one more time was praying. One more time. And my mom gave her a word of encouragement. She said, why don't you just release her to the Lord? Why are you trying to control this outcome so hard? Why don't you release it to the Lord? She did. <laughs> no joke. That Sunday night, she showed up to an evangelist that was traveling, an evangelist service, came down to the altar, gave her life to Christ, was reborn into the kingdom of God, and has never turned back since, living for God. Some of you can relate with a daughter. Some of you, like me, you relate with a parent. <laughs> you have control-like tendencies. Can I tell you, God is inviting us to live simply, to live childlike, to know that he is faithful and his word is true. And I'm here just as a messenger to encourage you and to equip you. The weapons of our warfare are not in our own strength or in our own ability. The weapons of our warfare are always supernatural. Rest and faith can coexist. 
fear and faith cannot. Turn off faith, uh, fear. <laughs> turn off fear. Turn on faith. Turn off striving, control. Turn on receiving and trust. And let's see what God can do. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for your word in and over our life today. I pray, God, that you would encourage every heart here this morning. That just as Jesus was with Lazarus, I pray you will be with us in and through our midst, God. I thank you, Lord, for some, for some, Lord, they just really needed to hear that you're aware. Some of us, we, God, they're just, they're these arenas of life we don't invite you into anymore because there's so much disappointment and there's so much fear and we just, we just don't even know if, if you're aware. Lord, for those who are just tired, exhausted, struggling, and there's arenas they've walled up, boxed you out of, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would let them know you've heard every word, you've heard every prayer, that your scriptures and psalms say you're bottling up our tears. Father, I thank you that you would reassure hearts that you're on the way, God, that you're coming for them coming to resurrect dreams, coming to resurrect relationships, coming to resurrect friendships, coming to resurrect God, careers, finances, healing. You are a God to be encountered, Lord. And we thank you for the peace that passes all understanding, steadying our